What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Locked On Chargers podcast. And on today's show, we are going to go over the last three picks for the Los Angeles Chargers 2018 draft class. Uh, Scott Quisenberry, then you got Dylan Cantrell, the wide receiver, and then finally the running back, Justin Jackson from Northwestern. So let's go ahead and just jump right into things. Daniel, the Chargers decided to take their fifth-round pick and select Scott Quisenberry, a center-slash-guard from UCLA. Yeah, I think this was the pick that after Justin Jones in the third round, we were confused by again. With Scott Quisenberry, it wasn't that we thought that he wasn't a good player right away. It's not we knew what kind of player he was when they drafted him. It just wasn't a position of need for the Chargers since they just signed Mike Pouncey. Obviously, it's good to have depth. I think some of us wanted the Chargers to take an offensive tackle in this round. Whether or not there was one that they thought could contribute, I don't know in that round because you are picking in the fifth round. But from what I've seen so far from him, I I think he's a pretty good player, actually. Uh, John, what was your uh, initial impression of the pick of Scott Quisenberry when the Chargers decided to take him in the fifth round? I was really shocked and confused. I, I was expecting us to take a tackle like a Tyrell Crosby, who got picked two picks before him. I thought we would have drafted him a, the round before. There was also a couple of tackles still left from Washington State that were pretty good. And In the end, we picked a center on the Chargers roster on their website. They had him down as a guard, so he could probably play either one. But I was definitely surprised by the pick. I think, uh, you know, looking back on it now, I think that Quisenberry is insurance for Mike Pouncey's hips. I mean, we all know that that's a chronic issue and that his shelf life in the NFL is really limited and could, be, could you know, absolutely explode at any moment. So I think they're going to groom Quisenberry to be that eventual replacement or just be good uh, insurance just in case anything happens to Pouncey. When you see what he does well, it makes a lot of sense why they picked him. He's known for pass protection, which the Chargers obviously throw the ball a lot. And he's pretty good in the running game as well. He does have some things to work out with footwork and just getting beat by faster off-the-ball linebackers. But I think they're all things that can be worked on. The problem is when you look at the last few centers that the Chargers drafted, they've spent two third-round picks on centers in the last six years, and neither one of them panned out, and somehow Spencer Pulley is the one on the roster, an undrafted free agent, not Chris Watt or Max Turk. So I think that's it's hard to know if they're picking a good guy in the fifth round because it seems they couldn't even find a guy in the third round that was any good. But we have to wait and see on this guy. He's definitely a depth piece. I think it shows that they don't feel great about Donovan Clark. They don't feel great about Spencer Poley being the backups to who we think the starters are going to be with Forrest Lamp coming back, Mike Pouncey now at center, and Dan Feeney as the other guard. This is a lineup that hasn't played together at all. So I think there could be early struggles. They might be early injuries. You're going to have to fill these spots. And the depth for the Chargers hasn't been great with all the injuries that they've had. They haven't had great depth. So if they can develop this guy into a you know a part-time starter, a guy that you can start at all three positions if the other guy goes down, he can do that job. And what I really liked is on twists and stunts and also on blitzes, 
He picked them up very well. They threw a ton at UCLA when he was protecting for Josh Rosen. And they went up against a lot of blitzes, a lot of fast linebackers, a lot of big defensive linemen. When you're talking about them going against Washington with Vita Vea or Stanford and Harrison Phillips, I watched him play against those guys, and he definitely held his own, which is a good sign. He's very good at when he is smaller or he doesn't get good leverage. He's able to move his body around and kind of direct the guy into where he wants him to go to not disrupt a running lane. So I see the upside in him. Hopefully they can develop him like they developed Kenny Wiggins and Spencer Pulley. I mean, they neither of those guys was great, but those guys were also nothing. They didn't invest anything in those guys, and they got them up to a replacement level on the offensive line. So hopefully the new regime has shown that it's doing a little bit better with developing these offensive linemen. And then he becomes someone that could start someday. Well, I know he is definitely happy to be with the Chargers. He grew up a diehard Charger fan and idolized Nick Hardwick, which is why he's going to be wearing his 61. So this guy grew up watching the Chris Dealman, Nick Hardwick, Mike Goff, Marcus McNeil, Shane Olivier offensive line that helped LT score 31 touchdowns. And I'm sure he wants to do the same thing for Melvin Gordon. The only issue I have with him is he's not so much a powerful guy when it comes to blocking as Wade was pointing out and he gets in guys' ways. The only power he has is a quick pop off the line where he'll literally just run into the guy real quick and then after that he has to try to move with the guy and just get in his way, which footwork is something that could fix that a little bit because then he can stay on the pop and drive the guy, but you have to have good footwork to keep that drive going without falling or losing control of your guy, but... He definitely has a way of moving around a little bit, but not in a fast way, more of a on a scale where he'll tip you one way or he'll tip you another way. You just can't get around him unless you have speed. Okay, pretty good scattering report. So to me, it looks like he's going to have some trouble with some speedy uh, off-the-ball linebackers, good in pass protection, has a good punch, good at picking up blitzes, which is what Daniel mentioned. Uh, and you know, like you said, if he gets his hands on you, he's a guy that's going to keep a hold of you and you're not going to get anywhere. But this guy struggles against the speedier defenders, so that's something he's going to have to work on going forward. Thankfully, he's a fifth-round pick, so they got a lot of time to coach him up and you know get him ready. Because I mean, uh, everybody knows an offensive lineman, you know, you got to be ready to play because injuries can and will happen at any point in time. So uh, at the end of the day, hopefully he'll turn out to be good depth and maybe uh, potentially into a starter later on down the line. The only really potential problem I see with him is you don't have a very mobile quarterback. So when you get driven back into the quarterback's lap, if you are undersized for the position and you do get driven back, you don't necessarily have a guy that can get away with it. So I think that could be an issue for him. But like we said, it's all about coaching. And this guy has, I mean, the only thing that he can't change is that he has short arms. Everything else is something that you can basically develop into and he's not expected to start right away which I think is good he'll have time to develop the plan is in place his timeline is not for this year I think with Chris Watt in particular I think they tried to get him on the field well before he was ready and he just looked like one of the worst players on earth I think when you saw from Dan Feeney from the beginning of the year to the end of the year that's the kind of improvement you have to hope for because he went from someone that had definite flaws when he missed on a block that ended up being a blocked field goal for the Chargers, when you take that and then compare him to what he was doing at the end of the year, 
where he was thought of as one of the best linemen and best rookie linemen. If Dan Feeney can have that kind of resurgent over his season and be that much of a better player, I think you see that Scott Questenberry can get better over a season as he has time to develop if he isn't thrust into a starting role because of injuries. Well, and I think in this position, he's not going to be asked to start right away like you mentioned. Exactly. So there's there's some good established veterans and good, really good players that are in front of him that can allow him to develop. So the Lockdown Chargers podcast is looking for local businesses to sponsor our show. If you're looking to get your product to mills between the ages of 18 and 44, then this would be a great opportunity for inexpensive but effective advertising. For more information on how to partner with the Locked On Chargers podcast, please email the show at sdcharged22 at gmail.com for more information. Our shows have consistently averaged over 1,000 downloads per show, so we'll get your product to a bunch of different years. So, sixth-round pick was materialized in the form of wide receiver Dylan Cantrell from Texas Tech. This is a big body wide receiver at six foot three, two hundred and twenty six pounds. Ran a four five nine forty yard dash. And Daniel, this is going to be a guy I think who is going to show up and maybe take some snaps away from Mike Williams. What do you think about that? I think it shows that they needed another red zone target, and that's what this guy is going to excel at, which is making contested catches when the field gets shorter. That's something the Chargers really struggle with, guys. It seemed like between the 40s, when their drive got going, they were able to get big chunk plays, but they really struggle as they get closer to the end zone. And now you lose Antonio Gates, so you're missing that guy to always have down there and draw coverage away from your other receivers. Travis Benjamin and Tyrell Williams aren't built for the red zone. This guy is absolutely built like the, for the red zone. He has a bigger body top half, and he can make contested catches and is good in jump ball scenarios. He's not super fast, but I think we can talk about guys as just the ways that the Chargers could use a guy like this in their offense with a possession receiver, a guy that you can send over the middle that you don't have to be afraid he's going to get hit and be hurt because of that because he doesn't have the slender frame that Mike Williams does. And I think when you talk about deep post patterns and over-the-shoulder throws, these are things that Philip Rivers excels at. He loves dropping the ball in the basket, and that's the type of catches this guy can make when he has guys on his hip. So I definitely see how this guy can make his way onto the roster as a late-round pick. You see the role that he can play. And, John, one of my favorite things about Dylan Cantrell is not only is he a good run blocker, he enjoys – it seems like he enjoys run blocking. So I think that's going to you know bring a different element to uh, the run blocking game and add to a wide receiver group that already has a, a good run blocker in Keenan Allen. Absolutely. And he can also be your wide receiver screen type guy that can also block on a wide receiver screen. Something they like to do when Ken Wisenhunt was with the Chargers his first stint when they had Eddie Royal. So maybe that could be something they use him for. And having a wide receiver that likes to actually block and not just half-ass it because he wants to go get his big play and his catches means a lot. That shows that that guy's there to win. He's there to do his job, get the win, and move on to the championship games. It's a big get for that. But my worry with him is he had an injury. It's funny how we talk about him with Mike Williams because Mike Williams had a back injury. So did Dylan Cantrell. He missed all of the 2015 season with a back injury. 
and then he was injured again in 2016 where he missed a couple of games. So we already have some lingering history of issues when it comes to injury with the guy. But with his size, it makes you wonder, like, is he really going to be getting hurt on a regular basis with his size and his running ability? Well, I think the other thing about that, John, is he's not going to be put in the position to have to get as many catches or take as many hits, even though they're going to be bigger hits. He's not going to be a guy who the Chargers expect to have 80 catches in a season. So I think that at least quells some of that concerns. But when you talk about health issues for the Chargers, it's always relevant. So we have to hope he stays healthy. And what you said, David, about the run blocking, you mentioned that Keenan Allen's a good run blocker, and that's true. But then you also have Tyrell Williams and Travis Benjamin, who are not good run blockers. Uh, they have moments, but neither are considered consistent run blockers. So I think that absolutely helps you. They can run more short game when they can't get the running game going when you have them on those screens. But I, I think another thing that you look at with Dylan Cantrell is his moves after he can make the catch. He has deceptive quickness for a guy his size after he makes it, and he has good anticipation from where his defenders are going to come. What I mean by that is if he's catching the ball on the outside, he's able to catch it but also get his body moving in the other direction to make a quick cut which and to make defenders miss, especially since you have to kind of have a bigger defender on him when he catches the ball and yards after the catch, which neither Travis Benjamin or Ty William, Tyrell Williams are good at after the catch. They're not great as far as cutting and making guys miss and having electrifying catches. They have more straight line speed. This guy has a little bit more of a wiggle, as David likes to put it. And so we talked about some of the things that he's good at doing, but he's not good off the line, does not have good footwork, uh, can be pressed because he's not a deep threat. And I think that could also, if that gets into the minds of defenders, that they can cut off certain routes. They're going to know that this guy is probably going to be limited to the 20 yards or so away from the line of scrimmage, and they're going to be able to clamp down on that. But I think you know he's really going to be able to get some help from Keenan Allen on the footwork part. As we all know, Keenan's one of the best wide receivers in the league off the line. His get-off uh, and his separation immediately is second to none. And I think uh, getting him in the same room as that guy is really going to help Dylan Cantrell hopefully improve that part of his game. But I believe with the way this guy can actually catch a deep ball over a defender, I think he is still good enough to be that deep threat, just not the deep threat that outruns everybody. But kind of like with Malcolm Floyd, when he used to go out there with a defender on him, he would outjump that guy, catch the ball, hold the ball throughout the whole possession, and get that 30, 40, 50-yard catch that you needed to turn the tight end a game. He could be that kind of guy, but he is really slow off the line. He can get jammed real easily. But the other thing about him is that he has no acceleration either. His speed is usually after like five or seven yards, he finally starts picking up that speed. So out of the out of the break, he's already really slow. So when you use him, you could probably use him like a quick pass. So if he runs a slant, you could probably catch him right when he's in his acceleration point during the middle of a slant, and he can actually break away then. But other than that, he's not really a quick guy or a quick, like a five-yard hook or something. Yeah, well, maybe that's something else that Keenan Allen can teach him because it's hard to get hands on Keenan Allen off the line of scrimmage, even though he's not necessarily a deep threat. 
But I, I get what you're saying, John. He does, is a little bit slow off the line of scrimmage, and, and that becomes an issue when the quarterback can't get in rhythm with you. And I think Phil Rivers is a very rhythm-oriented quarterback. You know, he sometimes has games when he's out of rhythm, throwing to where he thinks guys are going to be at, and then he's yelling at receivers for not being at the right place at the right time. So that's an issue I could see down the line for him. But I also like what you say is he's not a deep threat, but when he's on a deep post or something like that, he doesn't necessarily need separation to go up and win a ball. So I think that that's definitely somewhat of a deep threat, even though he's not Travis Benjamin speed. He doesn't that fast, but if he can get a good break off the line of scrimmage and get his feet going and start that accelerator, he's actually pretty dangerous down the field, especially in the deeper intermediate routes. So I think he isn't just a short reception type of a guy or just a possession receiver in that sense. So let me specify. I think he's probably the go-up-and-get-it type of deep threat, not the separating type of deep threat. So that's how I wanted to separate those. But it's going to be interesting to see how the Chargers use Dylan Cantrell in the offense. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to the seventh-round pick. That is Justin Jackson, the running back out of Northwestern. So Justin Jackson, six foot, 199, ran a 4.52 40-yard dash. So this is a very productive college running back. Ran for over 1,000 yards in each of his four college seasons. He was very consistent, and he started for them four different years. That's a part of the problem as well, unfortunately, with a guy who's not necessarily a big-bodied type. He, that's a lot of carries. He was one of only two players in the last 20 years to get over 1,100 touches of the ball. That's a lot of hits to take. We know with running backs, the timer starts ticking. Even in college, when you start taking some of those hits, they can have a shorter self-life. But he's very elusive. He knows what he's doing. He has a ton of playing time and experience. Obviously not at this level, but he's a guy that understands the game, understands where holes should be, and he gets a good initial burst out of those holes. So the slender frame, and that can be a problem, but in the limited capacity that we could see him in, maybe kickoff returns or just spelling Melvin Gordon as the change of pace back, the durability doesn't become as much of an issue because he's not at being asked to carry that heavy of a workload. My thing with him is that I see a little bit of an LT style breaking tackles, if you will, where you know when guys would try to grab LT and they would slide off of him like he was made of ice. Defenders tend to have that ability on him, but at the same time, the tacklers are going to finish his run for him. He's not going to have that ability to carry them along. They're just going to literally tackle him, but they also slide off of him. It's literally a 50-50 chance he's going to break a tackle. But if they don't even get a hand on him, they're not going to tackle him. He has really good footwork, really good elusiveness in the open field. So if he can leave, just get to the second level, to the linebackers, he could probably get even more yards. He could also be a kick returner with that type of ability. So I'm wondering if they got him just for that purpose of being a kick returner and a change of pace back. This is a, a guy who's a streaky type of runner, gets in good rhythms in his jump cuts, and uh, obviously has exuded a lot of toughness with his over 1,100 career rushing attempts. What John's talking about is some of the reasons we get frustrated with Melvin Gordon, which is getting taken down by tackles that it doesn't look he, like he should be taken down by. I think it's a balance issue. With both guys, they get caught off balance sometimes in their cuts, and it leads to them going down easier because their center of balance isn't where it should be. It's something that he can improve on, 
And I think he's an underrated pass catcher out of the backfield. He doesn't make a lot of spectacular catches, but after he makes a catch, if he's in the open field, good luck. He makes a lot of third and long conversions when it's just a, a simple check down. He can turn that into a first down and a big play. So that's a, another plus for him. He's not a one-dimensional running back by any means. A part of the problem is when you have that type of body and you're not specifically good at downhill running, I don't know if that's necessarily what we were looking for as far as the spell of Melvin Gordon. I know John wanted a more thumping back. He's not necessarily that guy, even though he showed a lot of toughness. That's not his game to brutalize guys at the line of scrimmage and always fall forward. And, and guys, a seventh-round pick uh, is definitely not guaranteed to make the roster, so I pose this question to both of you. Is he going to get on this roster for this next, upcoming next season? Is, is he going to, to get a spot? I would say that he is. This is obviously before we see any of the preseason games and all that, like you're saying, just to preface it. I think that he does make it. I think they saw something they liked in him. And they had a, a big carousel of running backs not named Melvin Gordon that have filled into them over the last few years and not really doing anything. So I, I think that none of the other guys have shown anything so far, so we'll have to wait and see who can get out in front of the pack. But as we saw with Marion Grice a few years ago, just because you're drafted, especially in the late rounds, doesn't mean you're going to make the opening day roster. I think he is going to make the roster. We have two guys that are definitely going to make the roster right now with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. After that, you only have three other running backs on the roster in Russell Hansborough, Justin Jackson, and Dietrich Newsom. So Justin Jackson more than likely makes this roster without a doubt. So that's going to wrap things up for us here on the Locked On Chargers podcast. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC. For Daniel Wade and John Kegley, I'm David Drugamar. And we'll catch you next time. Go Bolts!